Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Today's topic is delivering on the Chief Data Officer Imperatives. So a chief data officer is expected to use data to continually improve internal operations, create competitive advantage, align with partners, vendors, and customers, and so much more. But then you talk about data, the availability, the visibility, governance, quality, security, all of those different attributes or areas related to data have to be handled. And they anyways are creating a lot of challenges for most organizations and, and in many environments. Plus, you know, the current business environment is not uh, the most conducive. So what are CDOs doing to deliver sustained value today and also help an organization to prepare for the times ahead? So I have with me Dan Kellett, who's the Chief Data Officer for Capital One UK. Hey, Dan, how are you? Hi there. Great to be there. Great to be here today. Thanks. Thank you so much, Dan. So question for you, the first one, simple is the challenges and the opportunities that the businesses are facing today. Which ones are those, the ones where you can raise your hand and say, hey, I as a CDO or maybe your peers and other companies would say, yes, VS CDOs can help tackle. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that's probably three different areas in, in which I, I think are kind of the, the top challenges and opportunities. Um, the first one is all around that end-to-end data flow. Uh, and I think if you've got a, a really strong CDO organization, um, then a key priority has to be how do you keep data quality high? How do you make it easy and accessible for people to find that data? Uh, and then how do you ensure you know where it's being used? Uh, and, and thinking about kind of data flow as that end-to-end process uh, really helps make sure that you've got strong, rigorous, well-managed processes that, that mean you can kind of really stand behind the quality of the data that you're using to make business decisions. Uh, a key example for me uh, is the uh, is regulatory reporting, right? So um, with Capital One, we uh, work in a highly regulated industry. Uh, and a big part of, of working in that industry is, is this kind of ongoing reporting that, that my team is responsible for. If we've got a really well understood data flow that we trust, uh, that we are able to assess against on a regular basis, then we have a lot of confidence in that reporting and it makes it much easier to, to actually meet that regulatory bar. The second area of uh, challenge and opportunity for, for a CDO organization is really helping the wider business understand the art of the possible when it comes to data science, machine learning, and AI. If you have that centralized uh, CDO organization, you can. it's much easier for you to build those strong academic links uh, and also allows you as an organization to ask educated questions of third parties uh, when it comes to, to other machine learning applications that you may want to bring into the organization. Um, the third area is actually if you create that centralized team of data professionals, it makes it much easier for you to attract great talent. 
uh, and to provide strong career growth for that team. So uh, a, a centralized team allows you to um, move people around, give them the the uh, personal development that they're looking for and, and really kind of help grow their career in a way that that um, actually leads to their greatest results. So, of course, logically, it makes sense, Dan, that we should have a centralized not necessarily command and control, maybe more collaborative approach to how CD organization is created. But to create itself has been a daunting challenge for many because they would say, oh, the CD organization should sit under the technology or uh, people are sometimes mixed up. Other times they say, no, we cannot let it stand alone because of many reasons which we can't even get into today. So how does an organization even decide? While you said there are benefits from CD organization that are so obvious, but then why those challenges and how to tackle so you get to structure your organization in a way for you to create the most value? Yes. And I I think there's there's all kinds of models that you could take in terms of whether you have a centralized team, decentralized functions, whether that team reports into your um, CTO or your CIO or even your chief marketing officer. And, and there's, there's kind of pros and cons for all of those. But irrespective of, of which structure you choose, I, one thing remains for me, which is unless your organization, your data organization is focused on how do you directly influence the business, then it's really going to struggle to succeed. Uh, and, and a big focus for me and my team is how do we make sure that we are really focused on the things that keep that keep our executives awake at night, um, that are going to move the needle on business results, that are going to provide insights or open up kind of new segments of the market. Um, and, and so I think that's how you do it, irrespective of how you want to structure your team and where you want to, to report that team up to. It has to be focused on how am I uh, really optimizing the value that I get from the data. Now, there may be many priorities that you may have come up with as you understand where all you could create value. But then, frankly, business would, uh, because they are thinking of CD organizations should be existing in their, uh, uh, existing in there, they must be having some priorities that they would put on you. And there could be many in quantity and could be variety, which could create uh, overwhelm and also conflict. So, and, and, they, and, and because of that, there could, they could become very daunting to tackle. So if you were to think about a few, which one would top the charts? There are plenty. There are plenty of, of conflicting priorities uh, and I think that's that's a key part of of the CDO role really um the, I think the first and one of the biggest for me is how do you balance the prioritization of short-term wins which allow you to keep momentum and, and build the uh, the influence and impact of the data organization against that long-term strategy of, of where you actually need to go as, a, as an organization. Um, if you get that balance wrong either way, I, I think that can lead to failure. If, if all you do is focus on those short-term 
wins, the, the urgent uh, pieces of work, then I think that helps the business, but it doesn't necessarily give you enough time or thinking to make those big steps that you might need to go to the next level. Equally, if you spend too much time on that longer-term strategy, uh, then you run the risk of questions being asked of, hey, this is an expensive data team. What am I getting for this? Um, and, and so really kind of having the, that balance of, of those short-term wins with the, with the long-term strategy delivery, I think is a key challenge for uh, CDOs. The, the other one that I think is useful to talk about is a, another balance. And it's really kind of how do you balance the expectations uh, of what is sold of being possible with the real world realities. Uh, and especially when this when this comes to, to machine learning and AI. Um, now, there's two angles of this. One, one is from an academic purity perspective, um, a new algorithm could be sold as, as solving all your problems. Um, but until you've experimented with those algorithms on real world data that um, reflect kind of some of the, the weird foibles that you might have in, in kind of the, the real world, you're not going to know whether that's going to work. And equally, uh, there's a huge amount of AI hype spin um, that builds potentially uh, overly aggressive promises around what AI can deliver. Uh, and so as a, as a CDO, I think one of your key jobs is kind of how do you temper some of those expectations whilst, whilst continuing to um, use that appetite and buzz to, to deliver against what the business needs. Now, when you are uh, referring to, uh, you know, the different things that you have as conflicting priorities and you're supposed to lead the charge, but frankly, these people need to follow you or support you. So you got business leaders from management. You got business unit leaders, you know, the executive management, the business unit leaders, the business users, and then your own team. If you try to push too hard, they'll say, I didn't sign up for this. And why on earth should I support you or continue to support you? If you don't, because you don't think those guys are going to follow you, then, well, you will not be able to deliver on what is expected. So how do you get over this? And I think that's, that's a really big leadership challenge uh, and one that I think is, is paramount as a CDO to, to overcome. Um, and I think it, irrespective of, of how you get into that CDO role, I think it probably asks different things of you um, than, than what you might previously uh, have been rewarded for. Quite often as a, a CDO, you may have come up through the organization um, on the back of being really great at deep technical data stuff. And all of a sudden kind of, there are all these challenges around influence and setting the culture and, and communicating the vision that actually may be kind of brand new. Um, equally, you may be coming from a, from an, a different leadership role. Uh, and the challenge there is how do you make sure that your team um, really kind of trusts your judgment um, when potentially you don't have that deep technical understanding. So, so I think irrespective of which direction you come from, I think there are some really key leadership challenges there. Um, for me, that's all about building the culture. I think it's being really clear what you stand for uh, and kind of 
looking to set out the way in which your team works and delivers against the business goals in a way that's true to, to your um, vision uh, and in a way that, that kind of everybody can get on board with. When you are looking at your organization, when you started this journey and uh, whatever we discussed as the challenges and leadership challenges and the other data challenges, when you started it and where are you now? Any lessons that you learned in what to do, which works and what doesn't work so that people learn from your practitioner's perspective? Yeah, so many, so many. Um, I think a big one for me is actually a lot of people are looking to you to set the vision. Uh, and I think that can be a bit daunting sometimes because you're in this position where um, you are the expert, people are looking for you. And it, it's easy to perhaps second guess or, or maybe not kind of trust trust your gut. Um, whereas the, the truth is you kind of, you're in this role for a reason. Uh, and actually a, a big part of that is expertise, judgment. Um, and so for me, it's, it's really about Trusting your vision and, and backing it, being decisive, making decisions. That's uh, what people are looking to you to do. Um, and, and, and that's key for me. I think it's, it's how, how do you make it authentic? How do you ensure that your leadership matches the, the way that you want to be structured as, as a team? So that's, that's a big learning, I think, for me. Now, when you are looking at any of these areas which you know you wanted to uh, tackle as part of uh, CDO's imperative, if you will, if you were to prioritize them, right? One was we spoke about what is the most challenging, but if you were to say what would create the most business value and historically are looking at all the different conversations uh, you've had with your peers and, and or you've together worked with them in your respective uh, organizations to push the agenda forward. What is one first hundred days and then the first two years of CDOs look like or should look like for them to uh, set the right foundation? Because this is like an infinite project, if you will. Yeah, you're right. It never it never finishes. You're right. So um, so if I think about the first hundred days, I think if if you're in your first hundred days, where you should get to is firstly a really good understanding of the organization's data maturity, uh, and I think that's across a a wide range of different areas, right? So getting a good understanding of of what data do we capture, where is it stored, how is it stored, how do we understand. Um, how it's used. So there's a whole load of things about the data. Secondly, there's a whole uh, area of skills. What skills do I have uh, available to me as an organization? And um, what's the maturity like there? Uh, and then finally, a really good appreciation of, of what are the business challenges? Uh, what are the things that actually can um, have the biggest impact? And, and, so definitely within your first 100 days, I'd, I'd be looking at uh, how do you look to get some momentum, some quick wins, um, using the data and the skills that you already have that starts to move the needle on some of those business problems uh, and, and really kind of getting some of those low-hanging fruits early. 
in terms of like a long, slightly longer term uh, plan, and and maybe kind of two years is a good uh, time horizon for that. I think, assuming you're able to make some good early starts and build some momentum, I think then it's all around. Well, what's your what's your target architecture here for data, both in a way that data are captured and used, but also uh, how are end users going to uh, interact with your data? How are you going to think through that? And so really kind of building out that longer term roadmap to build your skills capabilities, um, always with a focus on, on delivering against those business results. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back after these messages and talk about the influence because uh, Dan, you mentioned, use the word leadership and leadership is influence. So when we are truly saying we're going to lead everyone, it actually should be leading people within the organization, in many cases, partners, the vendors, and even customers to make sure that we reach out and uh, get them to become part of that village, that data village, if you will, which delivers the best results. But what is the best way to start building and increasing that influence? How do we go about changing the way we think, the way they think, the way we do things, so that it all results as an outcome of an increased influence where whatever CDO says, you try to become like a Pied Piper. Mm-hmm. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Dan, it's lovely to think that a CDO can become a Pied Piper, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, it's, 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 I would not even call it a dream because any leader, if you show your leadership chops, you don't become a leader, other people make you one. So what would you do? What seeds would you sow? What uh, leadership and other attributes or, or traits would you demonstrate, which would get all of these people to look up to you to say, tell us where you would like to lead us? Mm, yeah. Definitely. So I, I think underlying all of this is how do, you, how do you think about a strategy so that you're growing that recognition around the importance of data in the organization? And that's how I think you, you start to really influence the, the direction. Um, so if I kind of give an example, so one, one of the challenges uh, we had, uh, this is going back kind of 10, 12 years, was 
around new customer acquisition. So we, we were having plenty of customers apply to us and successfully passing our requirements, but then not all of those customers were ending up, well, not all of those applications were ending up being customers and they were falling out of the system for various different ways. Now, until we actually brought data around that to the wider organization, people were not even aware of that as an issue. Uh, and so that's kind of a, a really key example in my kind of history around how you start to drip feed the value of data into the way that people think about business problems. Um, to take that kind of further, I, I think it's all about then also backing that up with more and more case studies of the real tangible benefits. So either that's kind of more predictive analytics, so kind of bringing greater uh, predictive power to the, the decisions that you're making, whether that's better customer outcomes or whether that's kind of increased cost savings to the business. I, I think as a CDO, you need to be aware of all those different angles that you're looking to try and push. Now, the influence, I think, comes from having really strong networks. Uh, and I think as a CDO, you need to be spanning the whole of your organization, building those networks with, with each of the key stakeholders so that they see you as a partner uh, rather than someone who's going to come in and, and trying to steal some of their responsibility or results. Uh, and so kind of that, that partnership and network building, I think, is, is one of the biggest things you can do. Now, just because you get started on this journey and you could be new or you could have moved internally to this role, whatever the situation could be, what other type of support and or championing or uh, someone standing by your side to say, hey, folks, this person requires support from you? Do you think that is needed or you could come in and make your mark without an issue? I think you definitely need uh, cheerleaders and support. I, I think, for example, if, if, the, uh, if this is not an important uh, thing on, on the board's agenda, then I think you're always going to struggle. So, so I think I, you do need to make sure you're building uh, that network of cheerleaders and, and support. And different areas of the business will have different appetites for, for how much they engage. Um, I think a, a key challenge is, is finding out those cheerleaders quickly, uh, using them to, to kind of build those key case studies uh, and really kind of getting the momentum. When we are looking at innovation and we're looking at resilience and also we're looking at agility. These are not just buzzwords, but these are the imperatives when you think uh, about executive management, how they want their business to run. This is supposed to uh, happen in a predictable manner. And for that, you need to bring some sort of policies, procedures, organizational structures to make it all happen. Now, first question is, what would that formula look like? Or what variables that we need to pay attention to because it might change because of the way the organizational itself is structured, etc. But secondly, what things can jeopardize or pose risk 
to you creating that optimal setup to support what organization wants you to do yeah and i i, I think for me this is one of the key uh, reasons for having a centralized data function is uh, the ability it makes it easier for you to balance those things the agility the innovation and the resilience um i think if if you're able to bring the prioritization and allocation of of resource against projects into a centralized team then it's much easier to uh, build the case for um innovation projects for example i think if you have a decentralized data team uh, there's a real real risk that um they're continually focused on the urgent delivery uh and the risk there is that you're not pushing the future direction you're you're not allowing that innovation to to flow now i guess the the alternative argument there is um how do you ensure when you've got your centralized team that it doesn't become detached and it, it continually chases pet projects and innovation uh, and again i think that that's that's the thing you need to lean into as a cdo if you're going to have a cent- centralized team the one of the big risks is uh, the various areas of the organization complain about not getting what they need from that data team so again i think that's about networks and and relationships and how do you kind of build those those things so that um hopefully you can keep that tension where everybody's comfortable they're getting what they need from the data team but also the data team uh, has time to be able to push what's next well you know um the organization might expect a whole lot from the cdo but how do you or, or rather not how do you let me ask the question differently how much support is typically a cdo given so that they can deliver versus asking the sun moon stars and the kitchen sink and giving them pennies or not giving them the support they require yeah that's and that's that's a a really uh, important assessment for any cdo to make i think uh, especially if you're moving into a new organization or or a new structure is how much backing is there really behind the aspiration because i i think it's very easy to um state that you have an aspiration to to build a, a data center of excellence or some really deep predictive analytics or um that you have a lot of store in the power of data but how are you how are you backing up that aspiration um what's what's the the structure what's the investment that sits behind it and i think that gives you a good understanding of how much really does that organization um, believe that it is a competitive advantage now with 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 what you just said when we are going into this digital craziness and i would have uh, used this word craziness purposely because sometimes or or rather digital has proven its mettle no doubt there but sometimes we get overzealous or everything which is so called termed as digital is becoming uh what should be done today even though we do not really know if that's going to get us uh, or get us to move forward or 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 improve the outcomes so when we have this uh overzealous digital fever if you will 
people with digital fever. And also, when we are saying it's digital, we are still learning. We are still students in most organizations. We are also trying to elevate what digital means and how much we can do with it. What does that do to your org and to your role? Does it make you cringe? Do you get excited by it? What is the state of mind and what are you doing to tackle? Because anything which is stretching beyond what seems normal is a source of stress and not joy. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. I think there's there's opportunity. And um, I think that for me, there, there's a couple of things. One is anytime there is this kind of new development, uh, as a data leader, you need to be in those discussions early. Uh, I think uh, quite often the reason why some digital strategies fail is that the data strategy is almost an afterthought. Uh, and, and the real risk is that you deliver a great product and then um, you get to the end. And because the, the thought hasn't necessarily been put in around what's your effective and efficient data governance and, and how are you going to understand whether this, this product is working hasn't been done, um, then you're always kind of running to catch up. So I, th I think engaging uh, the data function early is, is really important. And that equally, that's not purely on the, the digital team, that's on the data team as well to make sure that they're aware of what's happening and, and get into those discussions. Um, the other part of that is as a, as a CDA, you need to be great at articulating trade-offs. You are never going to get to the point where uh, the delivery covers everything you want from a product perspective, everything you want from a digital experience, everything you want from a data and analytics. There will be trade-offs that you need to make. Now, I, th I think the key there is not sleepwalking into those trade-offs. Uh, so, you know, business partners may want everything by tomorrow, but I think as a CDO, you need to be really great at educating about those risks, trade-offs, and costs to have a much more balanced discussion around, do you want this tomorrow or do you want this version of that next week? You know, there are organizations which always try to create breathing room so that you can think straight, you can think beyond what you're doing, you're working on the business versus in the business. With so much put on your plate as a CDO, and I'm, I'm sure accordingly on also your team's plates, how would you ever grow and evolve as a group? And if you cannot, and you recognize it, how do you create the breathing room? Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, a, real, it's a real risk, I think, actually. Uh, and perhaps exacerbated even further over the last two years as we've been working through um, the pandemic. How do you make sure that it, it's not all about that um, urgent, what we need today uh, mentality? Um, one activity that I, I kind of went through probably about a, a year ago was to do a bit of a, a, a diary audit uh, and to think about the types of work that I think make a successful CDO. Uh, and I think broadly, I ended up with six or seven different categories of different types of work, whether that's um, 
kind of making key decisions, whether that is uh, more of your kind of run the engine work, whether that's uh, personal development or whether that's kind of building my network. I think there were yeah, about six or seven. Um, and I worked out kind of broadly, what do I think a, a successful CDO looks like in terms of percentage of time? And then I looked at what my diary was actually like. Uh, and perhaps unsurprisingly, there were some big differences. Uh, I, I was definitely not spending enough time in some of those forward-looking areas around personal development and building the wider network and looking at the strategy. Um, and so I took that as the opportunity to be really intentional around the way that I plan my diary and, and the way that I spend my time. And, and I would definitely recommend that to everybody as a, as a way to think about it. It's something I talk to my team about. Um, uh, and it's something that I kind of try and keep track on a regular basis. So while what the, you do, what you do for yourself, that is commendable, right? Because you, you, you became intentional about it. But hmm. when you talk about your team, they'll say, yeah, whatever, Dan, you, you, you tell me that, okay, I want you want a breather, but you've loaded me up with 20 projects. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you have to, you have to think about that because I, I think it's a, what kind of organization and culture do you want? Do you want purely a, a delivery shop that is uh, just working on um, whatever the next challenge is, uh, as soon as that goes out, move on to the next thing? Or actually, are you trying to build this center of excellence, this community of data professionals? Um, for me, I would rather build the second. For me, that's about a center of excellence. And I think what you have to do as a CDO then is provide some of the air cover that um, means that your team feel empowered to be able to do some of that personal development. Uh, now, whether that is by the way that you assign work, um, whether that is the way that you open up opportunities to work on different areas or in different roles, um, or whether that is making sure that individuals have their own um, career development plans and, and time set aside for, for building some of those skills. There's different, there's different approaches there. But I think as a CDO, you have to decide, is that important to you? And if so, you need to provide that air cover. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And since we started talking about the people side of it, let's continue that discussion. Talk about the processes and people-related issues that require CDO's attention today. Which ones are those, the not so obvious ones, which when encountered by the CDO need to be tackled, otherwise they will be unable to or not be able to do things effectively for what they are trying to do. So what are they? What are those challenges related to people and processes? How are they being handled? And where have we won the battle and where we are still struggling? Let's explore all that. We'll be back. Please stay tuned. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. 
listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, you know, people is an interesting area, right? So we continue to deal with it. So let's talk about people and processes. And if you were to itemize, let's start with the processes and or maybe we start with the people and then we talk about the processes ish. Maybe a couple of those for each, which you feel you've always when you're coming to the office, you have them at the top of your list. Yeah. Um let's start yeah, let's start with the people side. So a, a couple of kind of key areas for me. Firstly, I, there's a lot of discussion around uh, the skills gap when it comes to data. Uh, and I think my position on that is more around, I, I think it's still quite daunting for people to take those first steps into data and data analysis. Um, I think that there's a relatively small population of really great data professionals. And then it does feel like there is a, a bit of a gap uh, and so I think there's a responsibility on a, on the CDO to think about how do you offer support and move more towards a bit of a self-serve model for maybe 90% of the data uses of your organization. Now, whether that's through um, kind of dashboarding, whether that's through low-code solutions, but I think that sits on the CDO's plate to, to really think about uh, and, and to try and deliver solutions that help. The other, I think, thing from a from a people perspective, uh, sits around the diversity angle, um, and it's really how do you bring different perspectives and different experiences into your data organization to really boost the offering and what you can really deliver as a team. One of the things that we've done uh, at Capital One in the UK over the last year um, that's really helped us with that is actually open up some roles in the data organization to um, people who previously were working in our operations team. Um, now, maybe um, these people didn't necessarily come with uh, data skills, so data and coding skills, but actually they, they come with a really great understanding of our processes uh, and also a really great understanding of our customers as well. And, and what we found is that that's been really successful, just the, the amount of enthusiasm um, that they brought into learning new skills and being part of the data team and also the amount of uh, different perspectives that, that have really helped kind of build our awareness of how our data flows through models uh, and actually makes decisions on, on real people, I think is invaluable. So uh, for me, kind of they're the two big things when it comes to people side. Um, from a process perspective, for me, it's all about risk. It's like having a really great understanding of where the risks are in your process and how are you looking to control and manage those risks. Uh, and so kind of as a, as a CDO, that's, that's something I, I spend a lot of my time on. Um, it's, I think it's very easy to build a huge number of controls or an overly complicated process. But the question I will continue to ask my team is, what's the risk here? Um, do we have a really good understanding of the risk? Uh, and how comfortable are we that these controls are actually really mitigating that risk as opposed to uh, just building out a load of controls so it looks good on a dashboard somewhere. Uh, and so I think that's that's a really um, key focus for, for any CDO when it comes to process. You know, people started talking about data 
as digital or data as cash. Basically, it is the new currency. And with that, you should be feeling important and your role has become more critical than anyone would ever think. But also, it has become uh, a source of a lot of grief for many because they also feel there is a lot of security threat because people are coming after data. So while you own this whole data domain, to what degree are you able to do things fundamentally within this domain so that security people who are supposed to work with you are not doing damage control because, because of the, the way it is structured, the way it is stored, et cetera, et cetera, that it, it leads to uh, vulnerabilities. Yeah. And, and the key there is, is, is the building of relationships. And I'd say we have really strong ties with our um, cyber team, for example, and our uh, data risk team. And everything we do, I think, is underpinned by uh, taking their advice and, and working within their constructs and, and structures there to make sure that our data is kept secure. Um, it's deleted when it needs to be deleted. It's used in a way in which it's um, agreed and designed for. Uh, and and I think the the key there is 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 that relationship. Everybody I think is is trying to aim for the same outcome here, uh, and and so kind of building the strong networks and the relationships mean that actually you're all pushing in the same direction. One last question for you, uh, Dan. Where should CDOs, financiers? And learn how to get better at this, because frankly, not sure if there is a university. I mean, yeah, people have come up with courses, but something which someone could be taught uh, to how to handle data, because it's a part art, part science. Where would uh, a CDO go to get better? Or where should these aspiring CDOs go so that they are getting themselves ready for the real job? Um, firstly, I think it's about building your network. So uh, how many other people in CDO type roles do you engage with on a regular basis? So whether that's through um, conferences, LinkedIn, or um, just general kind of discussions and, and meetups. So I think kind of building your network is a, is a really important step to make sure that you continue to remain outward looking uh, and also allows you to, to ask for advice and take some best practice. The um, second thing I think is make sure that you continue to experiment. Never assume that you, what you're doing now is perfect and it's the right way of doing it. Always look to try different things, be on the lookout for different alternative approaches and allow them to fail. Uh, hopefully allow them to fail quickly and in a way that doesn't cause too much damage, but by allowing them to fail, you learn. Uh, and then that's a key part of personal development. Um, and then I think my final area is make sure you are making that time for personal development. I talked before about kind of what percentage of your diary is, is set aside for, for growth. Make sure that's not zero. Uh, make sure you've got a clear kind of personal development plan. You know what you want to be building on, uh, where the skills 
that you want to make the next step of your career can be found and how much time are you investing in them? Once again, thank you so much, Dan, uh, for sharing your insights about how the CDOs and the aspiring ones, the existing CDOs and the aspiring ones, they can step up, develop themselves, rally the troop, build a village to deliver on the imperatives that have been set by the business. Thanks so much. No problem. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thanks again. And uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed. Got some nuggets. Please uh, follow us on social media. Subscribe to our podcast. Enjoy the learning. Thank you so much again. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.